where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm John. And I'm James. James, we've got a spooky episode today. Ooh, a spooktacular episode. This episode aired on Halloween 1985. <laughs> the 31st of October, and it's called Diane's Nightmare. Ooh. 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 Universal sign for spooky. spooky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is a spooky episode. James, there's a serial killer on the loose. There's a... A wine cellar. The power goes out later on. Uh, what else? Well, we'll find that as we go along. But before all that, we get a fairly boring cold open. Sorry, I shouldn't say boring. I say, yeah, a fairly mundane cold open, you know? A, a fairly unspooky. Depends how you feel about Boggle, really. Like, it depends what letters you've got. If you've got Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, they did get Reap. Good old Woodrow did. Oh, I see. Yes. Yes. No, I didn't do a cliff. I didn't go in and make my own words. As that says, uh, Woody and Cliff are playing Boggle. It's nice. I like this because we haven't seen them playing games much so far in the bar, but I like when it does show us something where you go, oh, this is, yeah, I can imagine this happening. This is something quite commonplace that you see in a bar. mundane. Quite unspooky. Oh yeah, they skip the board games for the Halloween special. As we know about cold opens, they film them separately than the rest of the episodes Hmm. sometimes. But yeah, I think it was it was quite a good one. The punchline was that Cliff has basically made up his own words, but he's too much of a know-it-all, so no one challenges him. Particularly when he's playing against Woody, who just kind of accepts his words as gospel. But it's Sam as well. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Woody, I got those two, so it cancels yours out. But I've also got uh, fork, furred, and snuff. <laughs> Come on, man, there's no such a word as flork. My dad used to play Scrabble on the rigs, and quite often to pass the time back in the, I want to say the 80s, which is when this is set. Quite often to pass the time in the 80s on the oil rigs, when there wasn't much to do, when they played Scrabble, they quite often just put the letters down. And you get many points as long as you could pronounce whatever word you played. (laughs) There could be words with no vowels, but as long as you could pronounce it. There's got to be some words with no vowels. Rhythm. Is a is a vowelless word. Why, why is a vowel? I don't know, but it is. <laughs> That's pretty much the, the whole cold opening. <laughs> Cliff's probably cheating at Boggle. As we uh, move through the episode, we find out that we mentioned last week that Diane, you know, she's just started back at Cheers. She's gone for another interview. In this episode, I think she's just tired and is having a, a nap. Yeah, she, she seems to be burning the midnight oil, revising for exams and is having a nap. And Sam's just okay with it. And I'm just like... She's not a good waitress. I- I'm surprised that uh, Carla isn't more annoyed. Diane does eventually wake up and they're discussing that they've ran out of wine. Sam's like, oh, let's just go into the wine cellar and get some. Yeah, but first Diane goes, there is a wine cellar? And, and I'm like, yes, Diane, we know there's a cellar because they've got the beer keg from there in a past episode. I know you may have been in Italy at the time, but you've been working in Cheers for many years on and off, admittedly. But surely you would have realised they would have to keep their kegs somewhere. I'm getting real tired of Diane's nonsense, John. I thought in the episode they revealed that they only recently found the wine cellar. But is it a spooky dream? Ooh. <laughs> Either way, Diane's convinced that the wine cellar is new. But I think otherwise, because Diane's a bad waitress. <laughs> so originally Woody goes down to find some wine. Then Carla goes down after Woody. There's an arm going down after... It's like the woman who swallowed the fly, James. Yes, or... And then there were none. Yes, that's true. Dead people on island, they're dropping like flies. One of them must be the killer. Who is it? We don't know. 
and as these people are dying, nice little tidbit. As the main cast of Cheers are dropping off into the wine cellar, the scene starts off with Cheers being quite populated by other barflies and other people around the bar. As the scene goes on, because of the camera angles, we don't notice. But by the time it's left with just Sam and Diane, there are no barflies left. They'd all gone. But because it doesn't cut that often to the entrance, we don't see it happening. I don't know how long ago it was now, but the episode Who Done It? We said, oh, this episode is not what we wanted. We wanted an Agatha Christie-styled murder mystery. James, we got it. And it's also revealed that none other than Andy Andy, psychopath from season one and season two, I think, has escaped from prison, previously tried to kill Diane. All of what we wanted is a lining. And not only that, the power goes out in cheers. Sam tries to reassure Diane and he says, Andy Andy's not going to come here. What kind of psychopath would come in a lit bar, a bright place and try and kill someone? I mean, he did do that before as part of a play, but then the lights go out. He had to say it. Sam had to say, this bar is so well lit. I mean, if it wasn't well lit, it'd be a different matter. Oh, wait, lights have gone. And then it's Diane's turn to go down to the wine cellar. By herself. Sam's kind of convinced of that they're just playing a joke on her, that it's not going to be Andy Andy. They're all just going to surprise her and that she's got to get over with. Get over it, Diane. So there's a psychopath who may be trying to kill you. So what? <laughs> We've all been there, Diane. What's new? Except you getting jobs elsewhere. <laughs> she goes down the steps with the candle. And then the candle goes out, James. She's trying to stumble around the dark. And then someone lights a match or a lighter. It's Andy Andy. Oh my God. That's Diane's reaction. And it turns out that Diane was asleep the whole time. It was all a dream. And Phaedra's coming in and going, Diane, Diane, what's wrong? It's fine. I'm here. Diane discusses her dream a bit. I just had the worst nightmare of my entire life. (laughs) By the way, Sam, you were beastly to me. Oh, really? Well, uh, how was I? You weren't in it. And Frasier's a bit disappointed that he's not in the dream. Doesn't feature. Frasier wanted to be taken into a cellar and murdered by Andy. From this conversation, though, we gathered that maybe Diane's had this dream quite a bit. Yes, it's a recurring dream. The trauma of Othello. That's what did it. It turns out that Frasier has been in contact with Andy Andy. He's been talking to him. uh, And apparently Andy has been let out of. He's been released, not escaped. And apparently he seems to be recovering. And what's more... He's going to show up at Cheers to try to show Diane that he's better. Which, you know, last time that happened, he tried to kill her. Yeah, I'm glad Andy's back, though. He's one of my favourite returning guests. Yes, and I was talking to a mutual friend of John and ours, and I was like, we've been doing this podcast for over a year now, and quite often it's fun. And then sometimes there's a recurring character who's killed a waitress and has (laughs) tried to kill at least one of the main characters, and he comes back every so often. It's quite a fun show. You should definitely listen to the podcast. <laughs> there is the odd episode that's a bit spookier than the rest. But that's what I like it. But for the drama, James, the drama. And uh, Andy Andy, he likes a bit of the drama. And he does return to Cheers. <laughs> it's the drama, John. He just loves it. He wants to be an actor. He's returned to Cheers, but he's also got a plan. Diane sort of forgives him a bit. And then he goes, by the way, uh, do you guys mind giving me a favour? Could you all just pretend to be my friends? Because uh, I've got a girlfriend. She's coming here. And I don't want her to think that I'm a serial killer. Simple enough request. <laughs> and you'd think someone there would go, I think you should be honest with her. Not go, yeah, we'll help you get away with this. Norm just goes, I, I don't care. This is a line I like from Norm in this episode. When he walks in the bar and it's raining outside, because it's a spooky episode. Norman? Still pouring, Norm? That's funny. I was about to ask you the same thing. 
That's just a little side note. I like that. Even when it's Halloween, doesn't stop Norm from giving these zingers. He doesn't care about helping out a psychopath. He's just all about the beer. So Andy, Andy uh, is like, come on, guys, you you can help me out. Here's the plan. This is what I've told her. Oh, wait, no, she's coming down the stairs. Just go along with it. It would be fine. Trust your friendly neighborhood psychopath. So, you know, that those are Paul kind of hijinks. Who have we got? We've got Fraser Crane, played by Kelsey Grammer. We have Derek McGrath as Andy Schroeder, who has the nickname Andy. Andy. We've got Tim Cunningham as Tim. And Nancy Cartwright as Cynthia, Andy's girlfriend. She appeared as Ethel in the 1983 Twilight Zone movie, was a voice artist on Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Critic, The Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat, Animaniacs, and Rugrats. But where do you recognize her name from? The Simpsons. That is correct. She is one of the main cast of The Simpsons and voices Bart, Ralph, Nelson, Kearney, Maggie, and many others. I was going to say, if you're going to list them all, we'll be here for a while. (laughs) Do you know what? I didn't recognize her. Yes, she doesn't look like her Simpsons characters. Well, I didn't recognise her voice or her face. I know her in recent years, but I was quite surprised when the credits came up at the end. She was the guest star. There's also Don Terwilliger as customer, but is uncredited. Terwilliger, obviously the surname of Sideshow Bob in The Simpsons, who often appears in Halloween episodes. Isn't that notable? I I mean, I guess. But who voices Sideshow Bob? Kelsey Grammer. There you go. It's all connected, if loosely. Nancy Cartwright, she was great. And the whole exchange of the main cast trying to guess what Andy had said about them based on subtle clues, well, not even clues, just implications mm. from what Cynthia said is a great scene. He's not ashamed of it, are you, Fraser? Oh, certainly not. Not exactly. Well, um, <clears throat> not entirely. Um, all depends on the... He's a kleptomaniac. Oh! oh. <laughs> and not making much progress, I'm afraid. He shoplifted his entire wardrobe. <laughs> well, not all of it, but uh, these pants are pretty hot. <laughs> this line works in at least three levels. One, hot being attractive. Two, hot being stolen. There's a third one. Is it to do with the phrase, liar, liar, pants on fire? That's it, exactly. I like some of the lies that he said. I wish that, I wish they had to pretend to be those lies for about maybe two weeks. It would have been quite good if Frasier was still the janitor at this point. But I think uh, I think it's a, a really nice scene and it kind of uh, builds up to Andy has lied about being the owner of the bar. He asks how Sam and Woody how much is in the till and Sam's keen to, to lie. Woody tells the truth. Woody doesn't, doesn't clock it. And then uh, Sam empties the till and gives it to Andy Andy. This is like a Harry move. So Sam's got faith in the psychopath. Because if there's anyone who you should trust, it's Andy Andy. Of course, Sam was hesitant to give Andy the money, but... Off he goes, he walks out the bar with his girlfriend, they go to drive off, but they're all uneasy. And Diane's like, see, I told you, Andy was going to steal the money. You trusted Andy, you damn fool. And then Andy comes back and he goes, oh, thanks, guys. By the way, Sam, here's your money. Bye. He's a good guy after all. He was a good guy and it's all fine. Don't worry about it. And then uh, Sam and Diane go back into his office. Yeah. Sam goes back into the office and Diane's like, you know, Sam, I misjudged Andy. You were right. And then Sam spouts off this beautiful language, which we've never heard him say before. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. He does a lot more than just say that. He, he starts playing the piano. He plays a opera or Plays the start of an opera. He puts on a velvet jacket. Yeah, velvet smoking jacket. Has a pipe. And a... Lovely tea set. Uh, just already set up in a drawer. 
He said, uh, you didn't really believe that buffoonish facade that I've been perpetrating for the benefit of my blue collar clients, did you? And he's suave, not sleazy, suave. It reminds me a little bit of uh, The Simpsons when Homer gets a crayon up his nose. Well, he's always had a crayon up his nose. When he doesn't have a crayon. Or like, um, you know, the episode where he gets really drunk, but then Marge goes, do you remember last night? It's like a memory that he's like really suave. And he goes, I placed that ice cube in as a prank. As they start making out Sam and Diane, just because he's smart, she's like, oh, no, I can't be with Sam because he's betraying me and he's not a good partner. But hang on. He knows some fancy words and can play the piano and drinks chamomile tea. Well, this changes everything. He also had a pipe and a jacket. Okay, yeah, then fair enough. This does change everything. <laughs> so they're making out and Sam's saying her name, but then she wakes up again. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. It was. And you were there. And you were there. <laughs> Apart from you, Fraser, you weren't there. <laughs> Which gives the great line where Diane says, you had a smoking jacket. And Sam goes, hey, I'm smoking an any jacket. <laughs> Cliff comes in. He knocks on the office door and he says, you got to come quick. Woody's about to get a second syllable or something. And they've been playing the game that they were playing in the cold opening. This whole episode in real time, only a couple of minutes. Could have been another round. Well, what I'm trying to say was the only thing that really happened was the first minute and the last minute. Exactly. Which is interesting because all of those people you saw in the background in the wine cellar plot, they were all wearing beige, what would you call them? Trench coats? Hmm. Which shows that it's a dream. And... It means that Andy Andy, we don't know anything about him. Nah, don't know where he's up to. He could have escaped. He could still be doing a Michael Myers and escaping. <laughs> Hopefully he'll come back again, but for real this time. And with a thirst for vengeance in Halloween next year. <laughs> Diane's nightmare too. This time it's personal. So Sam leaves the office uh, and Diane's left there alone and she sees the pipe. This reminds me a little bit of Inception. We've got like a little totem that they all have to let them know if they're in a dream or not. And she picks it up and she's like, maybe it wasn't a dream. Mm. But then she blows it and there's bubbles inside. Yeah, lovely bubbles. <laughs> yeah, I like the inspirations for this episode with Halloween with the escaped serial killer, Nightmare on Elm Street with those dream levels. I thought it was very good. The question is, how does this compare to last year's Halloween episode, which was fairy tales can come true? Well, it's very different, isn't it? It's very different. Difficult choice. I think for a Halloween episode, this one, for an episode, last one. I would agree. This one turned up the spook factor. That's the trivia bell, James. It means Cliff has dropped off some lovely trivia letters. Should we open up? Uh, spooky letters. Here we go. Now this one, it's got many answers which sound like they're from a Lewis Carroll poem. What words has Cliff used in Boggle? Bonus points if you can say what any of them supposedly mean. Well... I've got a similar question for you, so I might know these answers, James. Third, and a snot, but a flork. When challenged, he goes, do you know what those little flags are on a mailbox? Which n nobody knows what they are. A flork is apparently a device which holds up the flag on mailboxes. Which, I mean, I didn't actually check if this is true or not. My assumption is it isn't. There's also a couple of others which are mentioned from previous games. There's Murin and Plek. What does a Murin mean? No idea. Uh, from the context, it seems to be some kind of mythical or historical figure. And a pleck is a small part of a cat. Again, from context. Oh, he says you missed by a cat's pleck. Exactly. So maybe a, maybe a whisker, another word for whisker. Here's a question, and you've detailed most of them. But what lies did Andy tell Cynthia about Sam, Diane and Frasier? He said that Sam was an ex-con. And didn't own the bar. He said Fraser was a kleptomaniac 
who stole his own suit, and he said that Diane wanted his babies. Pretty much it, yes. Sam is an ex-con who was arrested for flashing. Diane so desperately wanted Andy's children. And Frasier is a psychiatric patient of Andy who suffers from kleptomania. If true, very unprofessional of Andy. What items does Sam have in his office that we don't normally see when retreating there after Andy left? A silver tea set, chamomile tea, a pipe, smoking jacket, a piano. Yes, and there's one more. Hmm. Sunglasses. Uh, no, it's a book by William Blake. Uh-huh. When Diane wakes from her dream, her original dream, Fraser offers her some uh, TLC. What does this stand for? Tender Loving Crane. Tender Loving Crane. Which, you know, this is Diana's dream. And even in her dream, he offers it and then she rejects it. What term does Diane use to describe Sam in her dream? And it's a bit of a spooky term, but it's also a nice callback. Barbaric. Beastly. Damn it. (laughs) This has a nice callback to Sam's proclamation of himself as a magnificent pagan beast that Diane can't get out of her mind. And that was all the way back in season one, episode one. Give me a ring sometime. What a callback. The brain does crazy things when it's dreaming. And also, it shows that the phrase beast hasn't left her mind after all these years. But you were right. There's been quite a few callbacks since the last two episodes. That could only mean one thing. Andy, Andy's here. Quick, get out your thoughts on the episode so he leaves. <laughs> the, the, the lights have gone off. No, I enjoyed this episode. It was a nice bottled episode, which didn't have too many consequences. They've dabbled in dreams before, dream sequences. Quite cool to get a dream one. It's an interesting look into Diane's psyche. And it was interesting to see within her psyche that Frasier and Sam were kind of ganging up together to be against her. And maybe that's what she's afraid of. Maybe that's what her true nightmare is. Or the guy who tried to kill her before. One or the other. Do you know what I did like, James? We said before we wanted a mystery one, and I feel like we got a bit of that today. And this mystery has made history for us here at Where Nobody Knows Your Name, H Series Podcast. We'll go into the wine cellar. We'll try and find some wine. Here's a cheers to Andy Andy and his return in the dreams at the Freddy Krueger of Diane's Nightmares. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers Podcast. (laughs) 